What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Today, Matt and I are going over the NFC North Division in the second part of our divisional previews. The home of Matt's favorite team, the Motor City Kitties. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say about that. So I always look forward to getting Matt's opinion on the Detroit Lions season. One piece of feedback we got from the AFC North podcast that dropped on Tuesday was, why don't you guys make picks for the division winners in these podcasts? Well, it's July 29th right now, and there's still quite a bit of time until the season. But what we're going to do is we will come back right before the season starts with a picks pod where we pick all the division winners, wildcard teams, and then the awards, as well as our Super Bowl teams and the eventual NFL champion. That's a really fun pod that we look forward to every year. So uh, we will make the picks. You guys can hold us accountable to those on the picks pod. And our plan before we get there for the next couple of weeks. Uh, so this is coming out on a Friday. Next Tuesday, we'll be back with the AFC East Divisional Preview. And next Friday, the NFC East Divisional Preview. And then we're going to have a fantasy football show with a special guest. And then we'll finish up the South and the West and then get on to the actual NFL season. We are getting so close we can taste it. But uh, for now, let's get going with the NFC North. All right, Matt is here. We are ready to do the NFC North, the home of the one and only Motor City Kitties. Matt, are you ready for some Lions football? You got your blue Kool-Aid ready? Have you been drinking it all off season? I've been mainlining it. I've been. Can I give you my conspiracy theory about the Lions before we get started? Football season is coming up. Fantasy football season is coming up. And the Lions are on hard knocks this season. I have seen more Lions hype stories this year than any other year. Everybody and their mother is picking DeAndre Swift as like the breakout league winning running back. Uh, ASBR is getting a ton of hype. Like the fantasy weapons are getting hyped all over the place. The stories are coming out about like, oh, people are betting on Dan Campbell and droves to be coach of the year. And I think that it's all a ploy by HBO and the NFL to get people to watch Hard Knocks this season outside of Detroit. Because like all the people, you know, we live in Absolutely. Detroit. Yeah, we live in Detroit. Everybody here is going to watch it. But like people outside of Detroit don't care about the Lions that much. No offense. So how do we drive interest? Oh, all the fantasy people want to see DeAndre Swift because he's the big breakout running back. I, I think that's what it is. I think they're just pushing people. They're like, oh, everybody's betting on Dan Campbell. Better watch Hard Knocks so I can check him out. I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, never fuck with their money, man. No. Uh, also, just like on a side note, if even if you don't care about any of the things I just mentioned, like gambling and fantasy football, I mean, one, I don't know why you're listening to this, but two, <laughs> you should watch Hard Knocks anyway because it is going to be the most entertaining season of Hard Knocks we've probably ever had. Yeah. With all the personalities in that locker room. Yeah. Between Dan Campbell and Jamal Williams, like that's honestly all you need. You probably can't handle more than that, but you're going to get more than that. Yeah. They got a lot of personality in Detroit. Uh, I'm looking for, I'm actually looking forward to watching the show. I think it's going to be like my first time watching hard knocks. I've never watched it before. So they got us. They sucked us in. The ploy is real. <laughs> on to burning questions for the NFC North. Uh, I'm going to start this time since we let you lead off last time. 
with my biggest storyline for the NFC North. Is anybody going to be good enough to take down the Packers? Green Bay's won this division each of the last three years, and it hasn't been particularly close. While I expect them to come down to earth a little bit and not be as good as they have been the last couple of years, I still think they're probably like a 9-10 win team this season. And I look at the other teams in this division and just think like, you know, the Lions and the Vikings could be around 500-ish. But like, are they seven win teams? Are they eight win teams? And is that going to be good enough to dethrone the Packers? And then apologies to Carlos, but we're just not going to talk about the Bears. I mean, this is the most open the division has really been in a while. It's kind of like put up or shut up time for the Lions or the Vikings. Like, it's it's there for the taking. Because I guess we can kind of lump my story in because uh, it's it's Packers related as well. What does their offense look like without Devontae Adams? Because in a lot of ways, he has kind of been keeping that offense afloat for the last couple of years. Um, they've got the running game, and that's all well and good, but the running game never had to function for a full season without 17. This this was at a point in time where it was like universally accepted that Devontae Adams was either one or two in the entire league as a wide receiver. No one had him lower than two. So he was taking a lot of attention from defenses. You know, I brought it up. You know, last time we talked about Rodgers during the the quarterback rankings, he lost quite a bit of that shine in those couple years before LaFleur showed up. So does he revert back to that? Or does he find a way to still be a, you know, high-level you know, touchdown thrower, because they need that if they are going to, like, remain as, like, a one or a two seed. I think it's interesting. One of, the, like, the prevailing thoughts with guys like Aaron Rodgers is that he's, you know, he's just, like, a great quarterback, and that he's just going to be a great quarterback, and he'll just mm-hmm. make weapons work, and he'll do whatever, but... Like one, I mean, we both agree that Aaron Rodgers is not really that guy to the degree that people make him out to be. No. But two, I, I will remind people that Tom Brady's last couple of seasons in New England statistically were not very good at all because the weapons were so bad. Yeah. So really, like no matter how great a quarterback is or how great you think a quarterback is, he needs good weapons. And that receiving core is pretty barren. I mean, even with outside of Devonte Adams, which is a massive loss. Uh, yeah. Marquez Valdez Scantling mm-hmm. left. Um, so it's Alan Lazard. It's Randall Cobb. It's they drafted Christian Watson, but he's extremely raw. Uh, yeah. and may not be they, ready this season. So they brought in Sammy Watkins, but like, can you even rely on him for more than four games? Yeah. Just like, remember to pick pick Sammy Watkins up week one of your fantasy season. I don't even know who the Packers are playing, but he's going to go off. 
uh, and then he will not be heard from again for the rest of the season. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I mean, it's going to be heavily reliant on the two backs. I, in my opinion, I see it as like a Saints offense from a couple years ago. Uh, maybe not as good, but you remember back like when they had Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram yep. and Kamara, like they would use both of them at the same time. At some points, Kamara would split out wide. He would yeah. like play in the slot a little bit. I see Aaron Jones in that Kamara role and AJ Dillon in more of like the traditional Mark Ingram, the traditional running back role, right? but also still catching some passes. Like I think they're going to rely heavily on both of those backs, both in the running and the passing game this season. Yeah, they're, they're going to need to. Um, I like Aaron Jones a lot. He's, he's a very talented running back. I just don't know if he is that kind of special athlete or he's going to maintain his value when you move him around like that. Um, yeah, that's, that's why it's like a diet version to me because yeah. that was like, you know, pretty high-level Breeze yeah. who both of us agree is a top-five quarterback all-time. Kamara, who's one of the best running backs, probably the best dual threat running back uh, yep. in the game. You know, him and CMC and Eckler, all those guys are up there now. But And then Ingram was very talented at the time, too. Ingram was really good. So I see this as like a diet version, yep. but I do think one of those guys could break out. We'll tease for later. Uh, but before we get there, question two is, who is the highest impact newcomer? And I probably stole Matt's answer because I got to pick first. But mine is Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive end for the Lions. He was drafted number two overall in the draft. He was the most pro-ready prospect in the entire draft. Like, he's going to be the most ready to play day one. Detroit was a bottom three defense last year in terms of yards. Uh, They were not very high on the DVOA scale either. Mm -hmm. One of the problems they had is that they had, uh, they were not that good at rushing the passer. So even though they were ninth in blitz percentage last season, they were last in QB knockdown percentage and they were bottom four in pressure rate. One of the best ways to improve your defense is to have a defensive line who can get pressure without blitzing. And Aiden Hutchinson is just going to be that dude from day one. Like I expect week one for him to be getting pressure on Jalen hurts, you know, without the blitz coming behind him. Um, you know, they have some other key guys we could talk about who are like Josh Pascal, who's probably going to develop opposite of him. Mm-hmm. Um, some other nice pieces there, but Aiden Hutchinson is the dude on that defense for the next 15 years. And I expect him to show that right away. Not to mention Dan Campbell's all about building culture in Detroit and Aiden Hutchinson is like the ultimate culture piece so like best player on the defense culture setter for the next 15 years i expect him to show out right away and have a big impact for that lions defense this year you mentioned in the afc north preview the ravens having the season from hell and (laughs) the only team that suffered injuries suffered from injuries worse than the ravens was the lions and (laughs) and a lot of that was you know like from their pass rushers as well um at some point i'm sure julian no sorry at uh romeo okora the other okora uh i'm sure we'll be back this year but 
you know, how much you come back from an Achilles. Uh, so, I mean, that makes Hutchinson all the more important. And Charles Harris had a really nice year last year, uh, kind of like as the season went on, he got more reps and he's, it's, I think that's going to help a little bit with, you know, having someone who's going to command some level of respect on the other side. That is certainly who I would have gone if I had picked first. Uh, however, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball with DJ Chark. DJ Chark is a guy who we have seen be a very potent deep threat at times in the past and be a number one receiver. And the the thing that everyone said all last season when Jared Goff was struggling was, oh, well, he doesn't have any receivers. Well, they went out and got him someone way more talented than anyone who was on the roster last year, other than maybe our Amon Ross St. Brown, because he's just a goddamn man, monster. But, oh, made me look so good last season. Yeah. So now Jared Goff has an actual deep threat. He's got Amon Ross St. Brown, who lit the league up in the second half of last season. And TJ Hawkinson is, you know, coming back and he is honestly one of the better contested catch guys in the league. Adding someone like DJ Chark, who can be a number one and is actual actually a real deep threat, completely changes the dynamic of how you have to defend a passing game. Because they didn't have that at all last year. Not to mention that Jamison Williams is going to come back at some point this season as well. Yeah. You know, yeah, we'll see I'm, how fast he catches up, but yeah. And I'm, I'm not putting any stock into what he's going to do this year. That's a long-term pick. Uh, just you, you want him to come back at a hundred percent and uh, not slow down his development. Yeah. I just, yeah, I love him. Take care of him. He was one of my favorite players in this draft uh, and both of our number one receivers. So that's exciting. The, the thing that kind of sucks for the Lions this season, we'll say this real quick and then we'll go on to the next one. Uh, man, like that offense is so set up to be like one of the best offenses in football. They have one of the best offensive lines in football. Mm-hmm. You know, if Jameson Williams was healthy, you'd be looking at, like you said, like Chark Williams, Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson. Like that's a pretty lethal receiving core if Jameson Williams is really the guy that we think he is. Yeah. And then you're going to have a good run game again with guys who can run and catch out of the backfield with Swift and Jamal Williams. But Jared Goff has the keys to the car again this season. And uh, you just don't know what kind of ride it's going to be. Like, are we getting Jared Goff from the first 10 games of last season or the last six, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, that is the million dollar question or in his case, the, what like 35 million million dollar question well it's like giving a 16 year old the keys to the ferrari and being like it's probably going to be really bad but it could be sweet like (laughs) (laughs) it's like i don't want to give this kid the keys to the ferrari and someone's like wait what if it's sweet 
<laughs> never know. So uh, question three is the potential breakout player for this division. Uh, mine's got a little fantasy tinge to it. Uh, and I hinted at it earlier, but mine is Packers running back AJ Dillon, not Aaron Jones. He was quietly extremely good last season. 221 touches. He had 1,116 total yards and seven touchdowns. Uh, really underrated catching the ball as well. Um, a skill that was not like super hyped up of his coming out of college because he was a straight runner a lot of the time at Boston College. And like I said, I think they're going to have to use a lot of two back sets. You know, it's going to be a lot of Aaron Jones moving all over the place while Dylan gets like the more traditional Mark Ingram type of role. And I think he could really flourish, especially if this team is like struggling passing the ball and wants to like run the ball and play defense. I think Dylan's going to be more of your like grind it out, get the tough yardage kind of guy. While Jones is like the, like I said, the proverbial Alvin Kamara role where while he's a very good runner, he's doing a lot of the pass catching work while Dylan is in the backfield. Um, I just think he's also like a super talented dude. Like he was a beast in college. He was a beast at times last season and he's had a couple of years to start really getting up to speed. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah. I mean, he, last year he showed some flashes of just being too much for most defenders to handle, especially like one-on-one in space. Yeah. He might not have the most wiggle, but he's got speed and size and (laughs) that's, that's a combination that's worked pretty well for a guy down in Tennessee. They kind of don't have much of a choice, but to lean on the running backs at this point, because there's not really anyone to throw the ball to. Yeah. My, my kind of like hot take right now on the Packers backfield, and we'll jump into the fantasy stuff more in a couple of weeks, but like, I would kind of rather have AJ Dillon than Aaron Jones. When you factor in where they're being drafted right now, Aaron Jones is like a high yeah. second round pick. Dylan is like a fifth round pick. And I think they're yeah. both going to get a shitload of work this season. And I don't a hundred percent trust Aaron Jones to carry a load like that and stay healthy. So if I'm, if I was drafting one of these guys, if I was targeting someone from this backfield, I'm more apt to go after AJ Dillon than I am to go after Aaron Jones. Yeah. I mean, if it's a full PPR league, then maybe that changes things a little bit, but yep. otherwise, yeah, I'm with you there. For sure. Who's your breakout player? So I was going through this and I had too many players that I wanted to shout out. So I'm going to give a couple of honorable mentions before I dive into my guy. I think Jeff Okuda is going to have a really good like comeback year. Oh, I like that uh, one. Yeah. Uh, I just think, uh, A, he's he's too talented. Um, and I know it's it's easy when you're just in shorts and, you know, you got the, you're doing the Instagram videos. But when, when we've seen him moving since the injury, he's looked good. Um, and he, everyone kind of latched on to that touchdown that he gave up in the one game he played last year, but outside of that play, he actually played pretty well in that game. Um, And I think that given the opportunity he's to get coached up by those guys again, I think 
he would make some real progress. Yeah. Uh, Before you go to your next year, I just want to say real quick, Okuda was a top five pick for a reason because he had all the talent. Yeah. Top three pick for a reason because he had all the talent. Uh, And also corner is one of, if not the hardest positions to adjust to in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, some of those guys take a couple of years. So I like that pick. Yeah. Uh, Common phrase in the Detroit circle is Darius Slay got benched. Yep, it's true. Um, uh, I also really like Lewis Seen in uh, Minnesota. I just matching him up with uh, Harrison Smith. That's just that's just such a nasty safety combo. It's I mean it's hard to not see him being successful. <laughs> My main guy that I want to talk about is uh, I think Cleo Herbert is. I knew to- this was coming. Yep. I He just, when he got his opportunities last year, running back for the Bears, since I kind of got ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, so this, this is Carlos's little treat. But when he got his opportunities last year, he was just so fucking good. He kept getting chunks of yardage i've got to assume that at some point this season there's going to be a running back injury the bears are going to suck they have no reason to hang on to montgomery why wouldn't they move him for a pick and go with the younger guy with less mileage on his legs as they're trying to rebuild who might also be better um he is better but yeah, I, I like Cleo Herbert too as a late round fantasy football target. He's, I think he's going like past the tenth round right now. Yeah, that seems very late to me. Um, I'm actually going to let you go first for who is your non quarterback MVP because mine ties into my bold prediction. Full disclosure, I made my picks, making sure that I wasn't like doubling up on you. So uh, I'm going with Dalvin Cook. Look, anytime your your starting quarterback is Kirk Cousins, you you need your best players on offense to kind of do a lot of the work for you because you never know when Kirk Cousins is going to Kirk Cousins. And he is just so explosive as a runner. He is a good combination of shifty, fast, and powerful. And he has pretty good hands too. Like he, he offers a lot in the passing game. They need that <laughs> because you've got to put the ball in someone's hands to limit the opportunities that Kirk Cousins has to, you know, lose you the game immediately. Yeah. I think the only question with Dalvin Cook every year is can he stay healthy? Yep. But, that dude has so many unfortunate injuries. Yeah. He was my favorite running back out of that, that class with Fournette and um, was it McCaffrey in that one too? I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. But my non quarterback MVP is Vikings wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. My favorite non-patriot in the entire league. I love Justin Jefferson so much. I talk about him every year on this podcast. So this this is why I prefaced my pick 
Yes. <laughs> with what I said. No, it's <laughs> fair. I did. I did pick first, but I wanted to, we had to snake it around because Justin Jefferson also ties into my bold prediction. Yeah. Uh, so I think that Justin Jefferson is going to take over as the, maybe not consensus, but like, I think he's going to be thought of as the best wide receiver in the league after this season. I think you look at like Cooper cup who just had one of the best receiving seasons that we've ever seen and look at like what he does well. And it's, you know, he's an athletic dude, but it's really the route running. It's, you know, he's a absolute technician when running routes, Justin Jefferson, while he's not the same route runner that Cooper cup is like Cooper cups, the best route runner in the league, hands down, in my opinion, Jefferson is like a close second. I think he's very talented, but also more athletic than Cooper cup is. So and it's like, it's not a diss to Cooper cup. Just this is why I love Jefferson so much. And he is now taking over, you know, that Kevin O'Connell, the new head coach for the Vikings was Cooper cups, offensive coordinator last season and knows the importance of feeding your best player when some of the other stuff around you is not as great. Um, like you mentioned, they do have Dalvin cook. I don't know how long he stays healthy this season. Thielen's kind of falling off. He's getting older and older. And besides that, it's like Irv Smith and KJ Osborne who like no hates either of those guys, but like, you know, we're not talking about exactly top end talent here. Even when, when cook goes down though, like they still have Alexander Madison, who is honestly very good in his own right. Every time he's had his chance. I know. I know. So I I just think he's going to be in a better role. I mean, just not playing for Mike Zimmer, I think is going to unleash Justin Jefferson uh, in a way that we haven't seen his first two years. And that's a scary proposition because like I said, in the AFC North podcast, Justin Jefferson has had the best statistical start to a career of any wide receiver over the course of two seasons. So he's been phenomenal. And I think he tops it off by pulling off my bold prediction for the season. And that is that Justin Jefferson wins the receiving triple crown. So he has the most receptions, yards, and touchdowns of any receiver. It sounds like a lot, but he was number two in yards last season to Cooper cup. Granted, it was by like 350 because Cooper Cup was amazing. But he was still number two in the league, and then he was number four in receptions. And the guys in front of him, Cup, uh, Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill, are all going to be in somewhat different situations this season. You know, with Cup, he's still going to be phenomenal. He still has Stafford, but they're going to have Akers back. They're going to have Allen Robinson. You know, there's going to be more options to go to in that offense. You know, Hill's going to play with Tua instead of uh, Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see how that works out. And then Adams is going to be in a situation where he's probably not going to get as many targets as he's used to because they have Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller. Um, So while I fully expect all four of these guys to be phenomenal, I think the opportunity is there for Jefferson to take over. And then, like I said, like I think the offense in Minnesota is going to be way more exciting uh, than it was under Mike Zimmer, like just by default. It's a low bar. So that's, that's what I got. Yeah. I mean, I could see it. Uh, I would say McConnell probably understands the value of valuing the run too. coming from, you know, the McVay tree. I mean, I feel like 
a lot of people probably learned the lesson from watching Jamar Chase last year. The the only lesson that you really should have learned from that is okay, maybe maybe just get him the ball. Like <laughs> we're in this era now with the top end wide receivers where like we went through an era where while yeah. the passing was exploding, it was about it was more about spreading the ball out to as many yeah. guys as you could. Now we're seeing like the top end wide receivers get like 150, 160, 170 targets in a season. And it's just like, okay, now we're going to keep throwing the ball more and more and more, but we're going to just feed the best guys. Like we're going to throw the ball to the best guys. Yeah. Justin Jefferson's the best guy. I think one of the best receivers in the league. So um, I think big, big season for my guy here. Yeah. I mean, I remember years watching Stefan Diggs playing under Zimmer and it was just like, it would be late in the game. It's close. Like you, you'd see Diggs catch a shorter pass and like break a few tackles because he's just running so angry. And then like six, seven plays would go by before he even got another look. And it's like I'm sitting there screaming, like just keep getting him the ball because not only is he your best player, but like they can't stop him. Nope, for sure. And, and I think we are moving more and more in that direction. It, apparently, the simplest solution was the hardest one for everyone to recognize. It's tough. Yeah, and just last thought, and then we'll do your bold prediction. Um, if you're going to put a wide receiver in any type of offense, it's a Sean McVay type of offense. We saw the year that Cooper Cup had. We saw the year that Jabbar Chase had uh, with uh, Cincinnati's head coach, who's a Sean McVay disciple, Zach Taylor, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, they, they know who to get the ball to and they know how to scheme that guy open to work with his natural talents as well. So I'm excited to see what Jefferson does in O'Connell's offense this season, but what is your bold prediction for the NFC North? Yeah, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm, I'm calling the lions making the playoffs. Like six wins is my floor for them. I don't see them winning less than that, uh, barring another year of that level of injuries, uh, which seems statistically unlikely, but it is the Lions, so it'll probably happen. Uh, you you saw this team get better every single week last year. Uh, you saw <laughs> the offense get Notably better when Anthony Lynn was relieved of his play calling duties. When uh, their now current offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, started having a lot more input on, you know, developing the game plan. And you finally saw them kind of hit their stride with that in like the last, like, four or five games that led to Amon Ross St. Brown having an incredible rookie season. Now we've added more weapons that might get a nice boost at the end of the year with Jameson Williams. You've added more talent on the defensive side in addition to getting more talent back from injury. We saw the culture 
like take hold and you bring in Aiden Hutchinson who's only going to reinforce all that getting a few wins at the end of the the year kind of reinforced it and there's just so much momentum rolling in to start the year I I think they while they maybe are less talented than some other teams they just play a different brand of football and some of those close losses aren't going to be close losses anymore I hear what you're saying but can I ask you a question how much is HBO paying you to come on here and shill the Lions so that people will watch Hard Knocks who just talked about this about tree fitting tree fitting uh (laughs) Because the blue Kool-Aid man is in the building. I was waiting for Matt to start going, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go, Lions. Yeah, I, I know it's a very exciting season for Detroit fans, just like every season. Hope springs eternal in the off season. So we'll see how they do. The only thing that really makes me nervous about the Lions is, uh, one, Jared Goff. Yeah. Two, the, the defense was so bad last year and i know that they're getting guys back and that they've added some dudes but there there comes a point where you're going to need talent on that side of the ball um yeah well offenses part of part of my thing is that like we we did see the defense get better last year as the season went on and when jared goff was hurt or playing through injuries and whatnot and some of those really ugly games, the Steelers game and the Browns game, like you saw the defense, which was playing with guys who don't even belong in the NFL. Like they held the line. And while, yeah, like it didn't, didn't result in a win. Like there are guys who were out there who got that experience that can translate in going forward that like it's it's not necessarily all about the talent sometimes with with a rebuild it's about like learning what you need to do from one play to the next to get off the field and i think just having a few of those guys that you didn't have last year come into the season knowing that speeds up that learning process yeah, culture goes a long way in covering some of the gaps in talent as well, yeah. like playing as a unit, playing together. But so we'll see how they do. It's exciting. It's exciting. Hope springs eternal in Detroit, as always. But uh, as always, Foul Duck can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Foul Out Sports. And you can find Matt on Twitter at Matador underscore defense. And you can find our videos on TikTok at Foul Out Podcast. If you are enjoying the divisional previews, please do us a favor and go leave us a rating and a review. Uh, And then Matt and I will be back next Tuesday with the AFC East preview. We're going to talk about my boy, Mac Jones. Also, keep in mind that this podcast is uh, officially supported by Jose Calderon. He did like an episode on Twitter. He did. I'm actually technically correct. You're technically correct, but which is the best kind of correct. This is fair, but all right, my friend, I will see you soon.
Later. I guess. Bye. Bye. Bye.